What's up? Welcome back to Stickerbook, a low effort podcast I made while I'm waiting for my various games to finish downloading. I'm your host, Phoenix. For the majority of this series, I've spent a lot of time talking about the down and out, the people who are suffering because of their inadequacy, people who feel that they're lesser because they're a bit different. But at no point have I ever addressed the other side of the coin. And to be honest, this is the side of the coin that I'm more familiar with. People who feel that they're superior to others, people who get lost in arrogance and pride, people who know it all and can do it all. I don't know if that's you, and I'm not sure that someone that isn't like you would listen to a podcast like this. If they are, it's probably for amusement. They probably didn't expect to be called out like this, right? But there's a type of isolation in this so-called greatness that we have, but I want to get to that a bit later. Since I've been about 13, 14 years old, I had this feeling that I was be becoming estranged from family. Not immediate family, mind you, not, not the people I interact with every day, but um, extended family. And it's a bit difficult to talk about because I'm not exactly sure what the normal family structure should look like. I have a pretty good sense from what my friends say that your extended family is something that you communicate with pretty often, but not every single day. You don't talk to your aunt every single day. But when I was a child, that's exactly what my family did. I remember these huge grand family reunions. We, we had it like once every three to four years. And it was like, <laughs> Jesus, there's like hundred of pe- there's like a hundred people at one point, I think. Um, it's a lot. Like our, our entire family from end to end was, was there. But it's not like that anymore. And it hasn't been for me for a long time. And I'm not sure if that's bothering me at all. There's a difference between growing up without family and then becoming estranged from family. You know, becoming estranged is is a lot different because there's um well I would assume I don't want to start this without really knowing it, but I assume that there's hidden pain and trauma there from being cut off so suddenly. What's crazy to me is I'm not even sure exactly why I'm estranged from my family. It feels like sure I do some amount of self isolating, but at the same time, whenever I talk with them now, it's like I'm talking with strangers. I feel more comfortable talking with somebody at a grocery store that I don't know than with these people that are showing me fake smiles to my face. That's what it feels like. It feels like fake smiles. It feels like our connections are fake. It feels like our history is fake. And it doesn't help that I really only talk to them whenever I'm basically forced to through obligation, whether that be for a funeral, a wedding, um, some large social gathering, even though I don't really go to those anymore because it really stresses me out how fake this all seems. You know, I talked with my aunts about this, and it looks like I'm not the only one who feels this way. My mother, she she has multiple theories as to why it's happened, whether they be for greed, um, a fight over property, a, a bunch of very minor things. It's so, it's so insidious. Like, I don't know if any of you have ever done an ancestry test, like 23andMe or Ancestry.com. I hear 23andMe is um better, but I took Ancestry. I don't know if you've ever looked at your family tree. Um, this thing's large. Like, our great-grandparents had like eight fucking kids, and each of those kids ended up having a family of their own. Like, we have a huge fuck off family. It's insane. Um, but I don't know any of these people. I don't know any of these people. I know an eighth, a sliver of my family, and, and the rest are complete fucking strangers in me. And that's just because I've just been isolated from them. It's not intentional either. They don't talk to me. I don't talk to them. They never come over to visit my family, so I, I don't go over there, you know? Whenever I have a Thanksgiving or a Christmas, um, my immediate family, we all meet up. But that's not what happens with anyone else. They, they do not come into the space. They don't interact with us. I'm more familiar with my parents' friends than I am with my extended family. And I don't know if that's 
I don't know if that's strange, you know? Now, the question that I've been wrestling with um, has been, should I reconnect with these people? These people that I was never really connected with in the first place, but the people that I um, was connected with, should I reconnect with them? The people with the false smiles, should I? Should I really try? I don't fucking think so. I don't think so because it's been far too long and I really have nothing to connect with. All the things that I have a preference for, that I like, that I dislike, they have no clue what those things are. They, they, they sum up all of my interests as that computer. E even for things that are outside of the fucking computer, like reading or um, hiking, they, they don't really care about those things. I've been summed up with one word, and that's all they really care to know. Um, it's difficult for me to show any type of interest in them when they've shown so little interest in me, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's something that I'm close to wrapping up, and where, where I'm ending up on this um on this argument is I think I'm, I'm just going to stay estranged. I, I think I'd just rather not deal with it. Um, I don't want them to come to my funeral. I don't want them to come to my wedding. Um, I'm perfectly happy to not see these people ever again. I think and it's not like I hate them. It's, it's not personal. It's just there's nothing left between us. And I don't know if they're going to hear this one day in the future, but I want you to know it's not personal. It's I never hated you, but at the same time, I never really loved you either. Whenever I said I love you, it was just an obligation to me. It's something I did because you said it. I never meant it. I mean it with my immediate family, but I never meant it towards you. And that might hurt a bit, but I, I feel like it's important for me to be honest here because I can never be honest when I'm upfront with you. I don't want to be rude. Being honest is being rude, right? And that brings up a pretty good point, actually. Something that um, I've meant to really expand on in this podcast a bit, but I feel like I've never really had time to because I've been struggling with other topics here. But something that I never expect you to be. No, 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 I'm not talking to my family anymore. I'm talking to you, listener. Something I never expect you to be is kind. Something that we really do not acknowledge enough is that being kind is difficult. I'm not asking you to be a fucking asshole either, but I'm not asking you to be kind. Being kind is very, very difficult. Um, you have to make all types of concessions. You have to stomp your pride out into little embers. And there's nothing left of your agency. You have to roll over on your belly to be kind. You have to show your vulnerabilities to the world. And that's not something I'm too keen on encouraging. I guess a bit, it's a bit, um, it's a bit difficult to comprehend that. So the example I tend to use really often is, um, Undertale, because that's just the most recent, it's the most popular example. There are plenty of other games and media that do this, but for the people who I expect to be listening to this, I know that you probably know Undertale and you know that doing the kind route, um, is far more difficult of a game at first. Anyway, you, you could argue it gets, um, way better, way more difficult if you take the murderer route, but, but that's, that's super later on. I'm, I'm not going to talk about that right now. Being kind means you have to make all these types of concessions. You have to jump through all these hoops um, in order to save the people that traditionally in an RPG you should be killing. And that reflects really directly on to real life. It's difficult. It really is. And I don't want you to feel this, this heavy burden as if that you're not being kind enough, so you're lesser. That's not true. No one needs you to be kind. Being kind, having your head up in the fucking clowns is naive. And I'm not asking you to do that. But when I ask you to have perspective and to be understanding, that doesn't mean that you'd roll over and you bow down to your new masters. What that means is to have it in mind. You don't even have to talk about it. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to vocalize your inner thoughts. You just think. As long as you're thinking, that's good enough for me. It's okay to just keep it there. It's okay to not go overboard with this. It's okay to just think. I'm happy enough to hear that you're able to do that, you know? I do want to bring us um, back to the main topic that I started this episode with. Um, I, I really haven't been addressing people like me this entire time, and I'm not sure why I haven't been doing so, but I feel that's irresponsible not to hit 
all nails on this coffin. Because in truth, even if you're able to climb your way out of this quagmire of um, being and feeling lesser, it does not mean that you instantly become normal. It's very likely that in fact that you rubber band, that your self-worth goes up through the fucking roof and no one can address it anymore. That you're way too big for your fucking britches. I think that's how the saying goes. N I don't know anybody that says that. <laughs> but it's difficult not to um not to feel like you're you're meant to be this great, right? Pride has a certain tie to a burden of greatness in a way. It feels like when you've made enough success, it's, you're not allowed to fail anymore. Personally, I've, I've gone throughout all of my school without studying for a single fucking test. Not willingly, anyway. For me, it's always been, okay, the teacher taught that, and I understood what the teacher taught. I don't need to study for this. I, I, I thought that's how everyone thought, but that's, that's not the case. A lot of people have to study, they cram, they take the test and they forget it. I remember the things that I remember because the teacher taught it well, and I listened. As, as a result, I always considered that, okay, my good grades are easy. This comes naturally to me. But it's really, we're susceptible to when that happens, people telling us that we're, um, we're smarter than everyone else, we're, we're geniuses. And while I think it's okay to take those um, those compliments, sure, um, it's very difficult not to get in your own head about that, to not feel like you are exceptional. And what happens is that when you are exceptional, you feel exceptional, when you meet your first wall, your first failure, unlike everyone else who's been trudging along and they beat down wall after wall, this is your first fucking wall, it feels like it's scaling up to the fucking heavens. It feels like you're stuck there. You crash into this wall and you burn. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking tragic. It's all based off of this this burden that you have to be great. You couldn't overcome this wall on your first try? What are you, a fucking loser? I guess you're normal like everyone else after all. That's that's the, the feeling, the sentiment that grows inside of you, you know? It really impacts our self-esteem. My first failure was when I was, um, I think it was sixth grade. At this time, this is my last year in private school. I didn't know it at the time, but it was my last year. And um, I had this math teacher who was just being very difficult with me. I never understood anything she was fucking talking about. She was talking about um linear algebra or some shit, slope, rise over run, some some shit like that. I still don't understand it to this fucking day. Um, and I didn't like this bitch. I didn't like her. All right, she pissed me off. It's very difficult for me to engage with a teacher that's pissing me off. And so I, I I just didn't. I think this is just part of my immaturity. I, I was a brat. Um, but at the same time, she was not a very good teacher. Pretty much everyone that was in that class was failing alongside me. And um, she decided to pick me out and she called my mom, right? And she told me my mom was being difficult and I got a whooping for that. But all it did is make me hate her more. It, it did not encourage um, any bright or beautiful transformation. <laughs> I, I did not metamorphosize into a fucking butterfly. That, that didn't happen. Um, I, I, I doubled down on my hatred. Um, it, it was kind of at this point that I figured out what type of person I am. I'm, I'm a petty person. I don't, I don't let, um, I don't, I don't let wrongs that are done to me slide. But I'm okay with that. I think, um, I, th I think it's okay for me to pet, be petty. Um, <laughs> but I, I didn't understand what she was talking about. And, um, when I got my first, um, report card from this teacher, and I saw that my fucking, um, my math score was 62, which is failing, like 70s passing. This is my first time seeing a failing grade on my report card. I've come close a couple times, but I've never failed. But it didn't hit me that hard. Not yet. No, this isn't. This isn't what really what really crashed me, because I was convinced. Okay, I, I just gotta put in a little bit more effort and I'll figure it out. Because I always do. It's not a problem for me. I'll figure it out. Um, and so I did. Um, I passed that class at the end of it, and I got transferred into a public middle school. Um, that next year into seventh grade. Um, in this seventh grade, I got another math teacher. Um who was teaching shit that I learned in fifth grade. Public schools are highly accelerated, by the way. Um, 
So by the time I got there, I, I just felt even more fucking superior because I'm like, I already learned all this shit. This really is nothing to me. But I got um, this math teacher, and it's not like I hated her or anything. She, she wasn't as bad as the private school math teacher, but um, she just wasn't that competent at conveying what these things are and why we use them and where we use them. Um, I didn't find a relevance to it, and so I goofed around in class. It's around this time I got my first um, serious girlfriend, I guess. And um, yeah, I, I was not. My head was not in the game at all. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was a very large distraction for me. Um, it, it, it fucked with my grades. And through that entire year, every other class, 90s, high 80s, the entire fucking time. My fucking English class, English class was um 100, even though I just fucking slurred there. Um, it, it may not feel like it, but yeah, I, I've always aced my fucking English. My English is uh, phenomenal. But I get to the end of seventh grade, and I have a failing grade in math, and it does it doesn't sink in just yet. But summer break passes while I'm over here. Um, huffing copium and ignoring the fact that I just failed my um, seventh grade math class and I'm going with all my classmates eighth grade and um, a secretary of the school came into the classroom he said hey can I talk to you and bring your backpack I was like okay sure this isn't the first time um it's happened whenever you're in the office for a long time they, they tend to um just take you out of the entire classroom because if periods pass and you don't have your backpack with you you're kind of fucked so I'm like okay um and we're walking down the hallway she says you didn't pass your seventh grade math class what? Yeah, you have to go back to 7th grade. You have to do that again. I don't even remember the rest of the walk. I don't even remember what she said afterwards. This this is how bad it impacted me. You have to understand, I am, um, I was a paragon. I could never fail. It's impossible for me to fail. And my family boasted to their co-workers, to other family, to friends, um, I don't fail. This this kid has super high grades and he keeps them there and he does it with no effort at all. That's, that was my brand. It was me. I was a success. And there's no way I could ever be torn down. Well, this walk back to a, a different part of um, the seventh grade classrooms. I had a different homebrew teacher, but this walk, um, it, it, it kind of snapped something in me, you know? That that golden um, statue of pride that I once like held so high above my head, nonchalantly, mind you. It's not like I was beating everybody else over the fucking head, like, why can't you do this? It's so fucking easy. I, I wasn't doing that, um, but I, I felt a certain type of privilege, and I, I felt that I was better than everyone else, even though I didn't say it. I didn't say it out loud. I never said it out loud. I was always humble, but I guess that made me made it hurt a little bit less. <laughs> luckily, <laughs> I can't imagine if I was an arrogant asshole back then. Um, well, people would treat me really badly. Um, but yeah, I, I got I got left behind into um in seventh grade. That that was my wall. I, I think that all of us face some type of wall like that eventually. Even if you are given the world on a sil on a silver platter, um, you will eventually face a hardship. And without experience in hardship, you will falter and you will die under that hardship. Die is a bit dramatic, but you get what I'm saying. Um, if you're not used to this, it can be tough. And it was tough. Um, I was I was depressed for the first like two months. But I um I gradually got back into the swing of things and I doubled down my conviction that I am better enough. Right? I, I am good enough. I'm I'm better than everybody here. I'm smarter than everyone here. I'm greater than everyone here. I can do this. And so I did it. I had the will, and so I, I pulled it off. I felt bad that it even happened in the first place, but even so, um, I kind of just blew it through, you know? Now, at the end of this repeat time in seventh grade, through, through all the adventures and um, triumphs I've gone through there, I got an offer. This man said he can put me into a special school that will bundle together eighth grade and ninth grade at the same time. And then um, at the end of this program, I'll be back up with my normal class. Now, what was, it, it was kind of um, a no-brainer for my mom. She was like, of course. Um, for me, however, I, I understand that I actually like got into kindergarten early. I, I was always the baby of every class. Um, everyone else went into kindergarten when they're five years old. I went in when I was four years old. 
honestly, the class I'm in right now is the class I'm supposed to be in. <laughs> and it, I, I feel that in a lot of different ways, um, in subtle ways, actually, because I had a lot more friends this time around in seventh grade. A lot more. I, 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 was, I was pretty much on friendly terms with my entire fucking class. It's the first time it's happened. I've always felt out of place. I've always felt like I never really matched up with the people that were around me. It's because they're now on age with me. <laughs> Whenever they're talking about um getting their first driver's license and shit, I'm I'm not going to be there yet. Um, so technically, I, I didn't really want to be caught up. I would be leaving my friends behind. I would be leaving leaving my natural grade behind. I'd be leaving my yeah, of everything really. But of course, it's it's not in your hands when you're a child. Um, I wasn't an adult yet, so I, I didn't have the choice to say no. My mom signed me up for the program, and I I did it. I went through. Um, eighth grade and ninth grade at the same time. It was it was hell. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend anybody to do that. We, we had to dress up like I was back in private school in fucking khakis and black polo shirts. But I, I made friends there too. Pretty much um, that, that entire class was like the Hunger Games, right? At any time, you could be dropped out of this special program um, if your grades fell below a certain level, right? It's, it's, it was so... It was so strange. There are people that you'd be talking to cheerfully one day and they're not there next week. They're not there and your teacher doesn't fucking talk about them. It, it was so weird. Um, I guess it doesn't hurt to talk about what this place was, does it? But that docks me. Yeah, you, you couldn't really, you couldn't really link this in anything. It's this place called the Star Academy. The Star Academy was one of the, God, it's, it's, it's kind of hitting me now how weird it is that I skipped my freshman year because of the Star Academy. Everyone else has crazy freshman stories. I had no freshman stories. <laughs> um, I did two years in one. And this isn't the last time I'd be accelerating my education. Full Sail University is another case where I accelerated my education. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Also, our, um, the, the main man in charge of the Star Academy, he did prayer every fucking morning with us. And I was like, okay, what the fuck is going on here? But yeah, I'm, I'm getting off topic. My point is, you're going to hit a wall when your pride is this high and when you've never met any failure. And when you hit that wall, it fucking hurts. Um, and if I had to give any advice to someone who is hitting that wall right now, or feels like that wall could be coming up for them pretty soon here, that advice would be to take your failure in stride. It's, it's very difficult to learn how to um, roll with the punches, but I know you know how to roll with the punches. You rolled with the punches when you were going up, you can roll with the punches when you're going down, you know? You have to turn this failure that's upcoming or is present right now into something that is beneficial for you. Like tempering steel. You have to be introduced to a little bit of heat, and when you come out the other side, you you will come out as stainless steel. You will. <laughs> I sure as hell did. Uh, of course, I had um more issues with math later on, but that's not attributed to me being um prideful. I don't think, and it wasn't even due to my teacher. I just wasn't paying attention. Um, a, a lot of a lot of shit happened in the Star Academy, and as a result. I failed um, the math class there as well. However, they let me make up the credit in high school. I just had to come to school one hour early to do some testing in a laboratory. Um, when I say laboratory, I, I don't mean like, you know, Dexter's lab or some shit. I mean, um, there's a computer lab. I had to come to school an hour early to sit in the computer lab and do testing and review samples on my own, no teacher, no instructor, no one to help me, um, to pass these computerized tests in order to get my math credit for a middle school. Um, I did it, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't anything special or anything. Um, when you actually sit me down and you give me time to actually like understand what the fuck you're teaching me, I, when I got it, I got it. And I, I never failed again. Well, until college, but I already told that story. <laughs> If you aren't a prideful person and you're listening to this, it might be a bit difficult to understand what I'm talking about when I'm describing this feeling that I'm on top of the world. It's self-esteem. This feeling of 
you, the ego, the identity that you have, your agency, this feeling that you are better than those around you. And I think everybody has some amount of experience with this. Like, let's say you're educated on a topic more than anybody else. Like, for example, right now, it's really relevant to know about the Ukrainian war, right? So while the people around you might be talking about, oh, wow, Russia invaded Ukraine, that's crazy. You're over here thinking, yeah, but Ukraine just took Kiev back and Russia's committing war crimes. Now, you, you feel much more knowledgeable. So you, you feel like I'm in a higher position to talk about these things. These people don't know what the fuck they're talking about, you know? Um, that is, is, is self-esteem. Um, we also have this feeling as, as prideful types. Um, this feeling of, isn't this enough? Haven't I tried for long enough? Because our, our success comes naturally. We, we usually don't have to try. It, it just kind of fucking happens. And when we do try, it's, it's straining. It's stressful. Now, mind you, it gets us passable results. But to continue to do so, to continue to do this, it's a bit, it's a bit much, honestly. I feel so. But in truth, you, you can't ever have that thought in your head or it tears you down. You have to have some amount of courage to continue to struggle. And so when I'm talking about rolling with the punches earlier, um, this is what I mean by that. Rolling with the punches isn't just passively letting this be. You have to actively struggle. You have to actively change your mindset into something that can take advantage of something that you consider to be an absolute L, an absolute loss. I'm not asking you to get back up on your fucking feet and pull yourself up by the bootstraps, but I'm asking you to readjust your mindset. And just like you naturally succeed, you'll naturally succeed here too. We, we are, our, our nature makes it oh so very natural for us to find success. And this is also one of those cases. You will naturally find success. You always have and you always will. You are that type of person. And it might be difficult to recognize now, but you will. <laughs> you have to believe me on that. That's all, that's all I can really ask of you is to believe me. Believe me, you will find that success passively once again. It will happen. So don't don't feel this despair, you know? I've got some um, some incredible feedback on these these past episodes, and I haven't really brought it up, um, but I feel like I want to address it now because I'm hoping that you can probably use this feedback in your lives too. Um, the, the feedback I've gotten is that people really like when I teach these lessons through the perspective of my stories. Um, it, it, it just feels better to have something that's relatable, um, something that can really encompass the, the lessons. And I agree. But I think that um, I think we should all be doing this whenever we try to talk um, about any of these things. You know, whenever we instruct our friends and family on how we think their lives could become better, we should do so in the form of stories. We shouldn't do so with platitudes. Um, we shouldn't do so with statistics. Humanity, our, our, our entire basis of communication is based on telling stories from very fucking caveman days where we all sat around a fire inside of a dark cave and told stories about things that flew around in the sky and beings that controlled the rain and the moon. Like, we tell stories, we thrive off of stories, and that has never changed. What people look for these days is a good story, so you should be willing to be a storyteller. Don't get too um too caught up in this feeling that um something isn't statistically accurate, or this feeling that you've never heard of XYZ circumstance. And if someone is showing skepticism towards something that you feel to be a good idea, and like something that you, you just don't have research for on hand, telling a story is a really easy way to alleviate alleviate that um that perception, right? It, it's really helpful for stubborn people, so tell stories. Tell lots of stories. Lots and lots of stories. The last thing I want to talk about on this episode, I think this is the last thing. I don't think I want to go any further. Um, is actually actually it's another story. <laughs> so I had this teacher in high school, and he he was my art teacher. Our art teacher was um he was an asshole. 
<laughs> let's let's not beat around the fucking bush. He was an asshole. Um, he he ran the volleyball club, and he, he was he was a complete douche. But he was a good fucking teacher and a good artist, and I respect him. Right? I remember one day we had one of the best artists in our class. I don't even remember her name, and I don't think I could even if I tried. But she came up to him asking for a critique of her work. She she is a staggeringly good artist. You, you know those people that can like draw realism like immediately. <laughs> It's, it's it's so fucking stupid, but she was one of those people, right? Basically fucking perfect art. And um, she, she was asked for a critique from our teacher. And um, he said, you have to work on your shading more. <laughs> your shading is terrible, right? And I'm over here looking like, what the fuck? What do you mean it's terrible? This shit looks great. And um, the entire class got into an argument about this. Like, we, we were all going back and forth because we all had something to say about her work. And we we're like, what are you saying? So, Mr. Sh um, I don't want to dox his name. That was close. <laughs> we already got the hint. Um, he got up in front of the class. He told us all to shut the fuck up and listen. And what he said are words that stick with me even to this day, right? So he, he said, all of you have the wrong idea about shading. Shading isn't about blurring together all of your colors. Shading is about contrast. You have to make your darks darker and your lights lighter. Dude, <laughs> I can't begin to tell you how much these words affect all of us in our every single day of living. Like, make your darks darker and your lights lighter. Shitting isn't about blending it together, it's about contrast. Your colors should clash against one another. They shouldn't be smooth. You should be willing to be harsh. Oh my god. Those words are so... It's, it's so... Damn, dude. <laughs> It's, it's it's so incredible. Like, my, my respect for this guy went through the fucking roof the moment he said this. But that, that was like, I, I didn't realize what he said until like later on in life. I remember I ran into him in a Target and um I I, I told him what, what his fucking words did for me. <laughs> you know? Because they're, they're, they're that impactful. I, I have to talk about them. So, if you didn't catch on, um... The entire idea of make your darks darker and your lights lighter in art anyway means that you should add more shade and more color to the darker places of your picture and you should add more highlights and more whites to the lighter parts of your picture. So if you look at any type of um, artwork, the shadow that goes like under a character's chin or maybe under a hat or something, you should make those as dark as fucking possible to stand out. And then the lights, the highlights, they should be pure fucking white and they should be huge, broad, sharp strokes, right? You shouldn't bother trying to blend these colors. You should let them stand out because up close, it may look like a fucking mess and it may look unprofessional. It may look like undesirable, but in truth, this is very good. It looks fantastic when you bring your head out of your ass and you look at the entire picture, right? In life, we have this, this idea that everything about us should feel well-rounded. And if you're specialized, uh, a niche of a person, um, it's a bad thing, right? You, you want a well-rounded and balanced life. And generally, I consider this to be true. But the, the, the more I think about this quote, the more I think about his words, the more that I'm starting to understand that there's another side of this coin. Just like there's people who don't have to be villains, who are perfectly fine having simple lives, there are also people who are perfectly fine being 100% specialized, unable to do anything else, you know? One example of this, I think, is your career. You may be doing something right now that you cannot take anywhere else. And for a lot of people, that can be an issue, right? Because what happens when you lose this job? You end up in a situation where you can go nowhere else, right? That's terrible. You, you lose your job security. Um, 
potentially anything that you're paying for, like your car, your house, and um, if you're if you have dependents, um, you might lose them too. Being specialized is considered to be some type of fucking curse. But on the other hand, being specialized means you are really fucking good at what you do. Y you are above everyone else in this one particular place, and there's pride to be had in that. You can go very fucking far, and you can make real numbers doing this one thing, whether that be popularity or whether that be um, through money, like monetary standards. There's a lot to be said about being the best at what you're doing. Here in America, anyway, we are a country that rewards excellence. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you are excellent at what you're doing, we reward that. There's very few things. Hell, I can't even think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure they exist. There are very few things where you are excellent at this and no one rewards you. No one showers you with accolades. There's very few times I can, I, I can't, like I said, I can't think of any times where that's happening. Now, personally, d despite this, um, the strength of being specialized, the strength of contrast, I don't know if I'm brave enough to do something like that. <laughs> um, I don't know if maybe I just haven't found it yet, but I don't feel that I'm excessively talented or exceptional in any of these things, you know? I mean, it's not like I'm bad at anything, but I have nothing that's that I could consider talent. Nothing that I would ever sit here on a high horse and say I do better than everyone else. There's, there's nothing like that. I don't play games better than everybody else. I'm not on a high level. That, that's what it feels like. I'm not on a high level with any of this shit. I'm not the highest level artist. I can't do like realism. Um, I'm not the highest level 3D modeler. I'm not the highest level programmer. I'm not the highest level gamer. I'm not the highest level at doing DIY or careful craft work. I'm not the highest level at cooking or brewing any type of um drink. I'm not at that level. And I've hit a, a type of ceiling with all of these things. But at the same time, I'm actually okay with that. I'm okay with being well-rounded. I'm okay with being a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I'm okay with my lack of ability to sit up there with the people at the high thrones and say, I am the best. I'm okay with that. I don't need to be the best. For me, I find enjoyment in my life from the experience of knowing what these things are like in the first place. I feel like the more experience you have in your life as a whole gives you enrichment and it provides a hell of a lot more stories to tell. If you are the best skydiver in the world, you, you pass by cliff faces with millimeters to spare. And it's all intentional. There are only so many skydiving stories you can tell, you know? That, that's how I feel. I enjoy telling stories. Maybe maybe that's talent. <laughs> I don't think so. I think there are people who tell even better stories than me. People who can convey their thoughts in a way that I can never could. And people who do public speaking on a level that puts me to shame. But I'm happy to be the jack of all trades for this. I'm happy to be the master of none. I take pride in that I'm a jack of all trades. And I always have. <laughs> so that well, that was um, honestly all the topics I want to talk about today. You might notice this episode shorter than usual. But it's um, because we also have questions. <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've been getting questions ever since episode zero. But I, I just haven't taken the time to do a Q&A. Because I feel like, you know, I, I don't know what I feel like. I, I guess I, at a certain point I considered that I'm not really in the place to be answering these questions. Um, but... I guess as long as it's anonymous, then th these answers really could be for anybody, right? I'm not really in the place to be giving this type of advice, but here I am. I'm giving this advice. So I'm not going to be saying who these questions are coming from. Um, but let's let's start with the first question, right? This person asks, My life is a mess, and I feel like it will never be put back together again. My girlfriend just left me, and I feel obsessive and borderline hateful of her new boyfriend. She's never been considered a slut to me. I've always thought of her as somewhat of a prude. I've never even had sex with her before. But I went to her Instagram and saw her in bed with her new boyfriend. 
cuddling naked. Am I wrong for being upset? Am I wrong for being angry? It feels hard to move on, but I just can't seem to. What should I do? Yikes, man. Alright. So, the first thing we have to talk about is, like, there's obviously an aspect of, of jealousy here. And being jealous isn't a bad thing, okay? It, it's, it's okay to be jealous. Um, but just know that there really is nothing you can do. What is important right now is that you're able to move on from her. And I can tell you need to move on because you're on her Instagram. Your exes need to be left in the past. If you keep, if you drag up your exes, it turns everything that you're dealing with now muddy, right? Let's say in the future, you get another girlfriend pretty soon here, just to fill up the void. You know, it's not a loving relationship. You're just getting a girlfriend because you need a girlfriend, right? Well, if you have your ex in your phone and shit, guess what that girlfriend's going to fucking think? Bad shit. That's what she's going to think, right? You shouldn't even focus what she's doing with this new boyfriend. Although I, I admit it is a bit difficult. It does feel like the time that she spent with you was fake, but we also have to look at it from her perspective. She's hurting just like you are, even though it might not seem like it. And some people, when they're hurting, um, their solution is to throw their bodies around. Because just like I um, talked about you getting a girlfriend to fill the void, um, maybe she did the same thing. Um, what's important for you to understand is that it's not necessarily malicious or targeted at you and you need to move on you can't continue to think about her you can't continue to watch her every move it will just spiral you out of control you, you will you will suffer even more than you've already suffered and it's very difficult i know it's difficult to take these words and run with it and just be like yep yeah, okay i guess i'll move on of course it's not that fucking easy i know right but you have to despite it not being easy you have to move on you have to forget about it you have to stop thinking about her you st you have to stop looking at her instagram you have to block her on everything if it's necessary if that's what it takes for you block her on everything if you have to move to a new fucking city you keep seeing her around town move to a new city you have to you have to escape from this you have to move this problem to a different fucking problem you have to be avoidant and i know that's not the healthy answer that a doctor would give you or a psychologist but it's the best answer to achieve immediate results it's what i can say to you to make you stop hurting right now um i'm, I'm sorry there's no there's no better way to do that you know our next question comes, um, well, of course, can't say where the fuck it comes from, right? <laughs> also, just so you know, I'm, um, I'm slightly rewriting these, um, these questions because I don't want to dox you. Some, some of you reveal some, um, very particular information, so I'm, I'm doing my best to censor, um, to censor these things. Um, hey, Phoenix, I'm thinking about dropping out of school. I have no friends, I can't make any connections, and it feels like my time here is worthless. You said in episode one that the only reason to go to college is for the degree and the experience. Well, I'm not getting the experience that I don't need the degree. I'm in my third year. What do I do? Well, well, don't drop out. <laughs> You've already spent this much time and this much money. Um, it would probably be a, a stupid idea to drop out right now. Um, you have one year left. Just, just finish up your degree. Might as well get the piece of paper. You're already more than halfway in. Um, as for this this last year, if you're looking to make connections and um, friends, I recommend joining an extracurricular club. Um, you don't state it on here, but I'm in the expectation that you probably are somebody that doesn't have a club you go to because you don't feel connected to anything. I understand. Um, but if you want to meet people, especially in college, the easiest way to do so is outside of school hours. You can't talk in class, right? And you're not going to be able to make friends at lunch. I know it can be difficult to just approach a group of people who are already friends and you're, you're the outsider, you know? So join an extracurricular activity. Everyone's on the same wavelength and you are more or less forced to interact with these people. Um, you, sh you should do your best to at least get these friends this year. Because after, after this, all that's left to have a common meeting place with people is going to be work. No longer are you going to be forced into a classroom with a bunch of people that you're going to see every single day. That's not happening anymore. Work is the only place where that's going to happen after this. So do your, do your best, I would say, to make these connections here and now. 
just by joining a club. Find something that interests you. And um, if you find that you're not connecting with the people in the club, find another club. You have an entire year and a half, it sounds like, from what you wrote. Um, you, you have time to do this. Making friends isn't a six-month process. It's a day process. In those first two weeks, you're going to be exploring everything about each other. You're going to be talking about everything. So go nuts, right? Make, make the initial connection. That's all it takes. And after that, you'll find that these friends will last you pretty much for the rest of your life, given that neither of you changes too much, which is very possible. But yeah, if, if you're not if you're not happy, don't don't drop out. Don't drop out. You're too far in. Don't drop out now. You can still do this, I think. You still have the ability to do this. Get the experience that you missed out on your freshman and sophomore year. Get it now as a junior, and then get it again as a senior. I'm not telling you to go to parties. I'm not telling you to watch American Pie and try to emulate that. But go around. Walk around places. Get to know your college campus. Go to the different um, societies, right? Something that um you should definitely explore a lot is what those teachers' aides are doing, you know? And also becoming a teacher aide yourself, very, very good way to make friends. You, you make friends with the people who you're um you're helping teach. They'll, they'll come to you with questions and you can make jokes and yeah, it, it, it's a great way to connect. You have lots of opportunities, okay? Don't don't throw that away. You're gonna be alright, I think. And there's like four more questions here, but my game's done downloading, and this is a low effort podcast. So I think I'm done talking. <laughs> Anyway, um, that's been another episode of Sticker Book. I've been your host, Phoenix, and I'll talk to you soon, alright?